Spirit, I just ask that you speak to us today and convict us in our heart. Energize us by the power of your Spirit to do the work of God that you've called us to do. Help us to be single-minded according to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. We're talking about loyalty. Loyalty is, is such an important thing with God. God doesn't expect us, and I believe that's the truth of the word of God, we cannot be perfect here on earth. But he wants us to be loyal to him. He wants loyalty to him. That is holiness. When we are loyal to God, that's holiness towards God. He is the one that makes us holy. We can't make ourselves holy. But if we are loyal to him, that's holiness for God. That's what God, that means you have, we have been set aside for his use. I remember growing up, even before I got saved, I, I told myself, if, if, if I can be really sure that there is a God, I'll give everything. Well, I didn't tell the truth. About that because it's really hard to give everything. You're constantly thinking about yourself. But I want to give as much as I can to him. Be loyal to God. Loyalty is very important to God. God expects us to be loyal to him. And that's what Asa, we're talking from the life of Asa, that's Second Chronicles, beginning from chapter 14 through 16. Asa was king. That's David's great-grandson. And he decided he was going to be loyal to God. He had seen war with his father and all of that wars. And if you read in the New Old Testament, it was war after war. You win one war before you settle down to regroup, another war comes in. But Asa was loyal to his God, even though he was a young man, he was loyal to God. The Bible says that he had a loyal heart towards God all his days. All his days. Even when he wasn't doing right, his heart was still loyal. He never served another God. And because of that, God gave him 10 years of peace. 10 full years of peace. And he prospered. He realized God giving us peace. And look, money, gold, all this stuff coming to us. Let's build. Let us build. And so the nation prospered. And after 10 years... The king of Ethiopia came to attack him, and he called on God because this fellow came with a million fighting men. And he looked at just little Judah, the 12 tribes of Israel had been divided into two, and all he had was two tribes. And that's, he didn't have a lot of men. He said, God, it's nothing for you to help, whether with many or with the weak. You can help us. He trusted in God, and God helped him. So, for the next 25 years, because he did what was right with God, I mean, after 10 years, the next 25 years, this man had rest, peace, nothing, nothing missing, nothing broken. He was prospering. People noticed that his God was with him because when you are loyal to God, he's loyal to you. And to your children, even to the 10th generation. I keep saying it so that you, it gets into your spirit and you believe that this is the God that we serve. He doesn't change. 
If you're loyal to him, he will be loyal to you. Even after you're gone, he stays with your children because he takes over your place with your children and your children's children till the 10th generation. And if they continue to live for him, he keeps going down 10 after 10 after 10. That's the God that we serve. God gave him 25 years of peace. No war. Think about that. In 35 years, he only had to fight one war. Because his heart was loyal to God. So he had so much prosperity. That's what we're saying. Tell your heart, heart, just like, you know, you talk to your soul. Talk to your heart. I want you to be loyal to this God. I want to be loyal to this God. So God blessed him. For 25 years, he had no war. If you read in 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 18 through 19, it says, this is Asa, now King Asa. He also brought into the house of God the things that his father had dedicated and that he himself, as a king, had dedicated what? These things, silver and gold and utensils. He brought everything his father prepared for the house of God. Dedicated, set those things aside. Silver and gold and stuff to be used in the house of God. Their heart was in serving God. And he not only took what belonged to his father, he took his own stuff that he had acquired with the blessings of God and he delivered these things to the house of God. And in verse 19 it says, and there was no war. There was no war until the 35th year of the reign of Esther. That means there was war after 35 years. So we'll come into that later. So he had no war. The thing is, God blessed him because of his loyalty to him. How can I, in the New Testament time, in our day, be loyal to God? What do I have to do to demonstrate my loyalty to God? How do I do that today? So that I know God knows I'm loyal to him and I'm following what he has, he, he's commanded me to do and my heart is loyal to him. You know, the Bible tells us in, uh, in Matthew 22, beginning from verse uh, 37, actually from verse 36, a lawyer had asked Jesus, which is the great commandment in the law? Tell me, which is the great? And he was testing Jesus, which is the great commandment, because he knew, he knew it himself, which is the great commandment in the law, and Jesus told him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, not some of your heart, that's what people want to do, some of your heart, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. Jesus said, this is the first and great commandment. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. It's like it. Namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, on just these two commandments, that's all you need. If you are going to be loyal to God, these two commandments are essential. These two commandments will test your loyalty to God. 
These two commandments. That's all we need. To love God and to love our neighbor. Loving your neighbor is an outflow from the love of God. If you love God, demonstrate it by loving your neighbor. That's what God is saying. John says, you, you, if you don't love your brother that you can see, how can you say you love God that you can't see? When you, love, when you truly love God, the love of God, the outshoot of that, the physical thing that people will see is your love for your neighbor. And if the love for your neighbor is not there, you cannot say you love God. Because when the love of God is in you, you will love your neighbor. And loyalty that we are talking about is the demonstration of your love. Amen. If you are, loyalty actually is love in action. If you love a person, you'll be loyal to the person. You can be faithful to a person without being loyal to the person. You are faithful based on obligation. You have to do it because if you don't do it, you're going to hurt somehow. How I many you know what I'm talking about? You may not like your employer, but you have to be there. Uh, you're not going to get a raise if you're not faithful and you know he's watching. You don't like him, but you're faithful. But if you love him, that's another thing. You can still be doing the same thing, but you are committed to whatever he's doing. You look out for him. You're not just doing a job. That's loyalty. You are committed. You can see and look at what he wants and where he's wanting to go, not just your job, and you help him to get there because you love him. And because you love him, you'll be loyal to him. That's what loyalty is. So how can I demonstrate my loyalty to God? You know, Jesus talked about, and on Saturday where we had our first start, and everyone deserves a, first, uh, a fresh start. Everyone deserves a fresh start. Everyone should be given a chance and for a new encounter with God. That's our responsibility. That's us loving God. We have to look at God's heart and see what really gets God happy. If I'm loyal to him and I love him, I want to see what makes him happy. You're loyal to your children. Your children are loyal to you. You want to do what, they want, what will make them happy. Jesus gave us a parable. Loving God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your soul. Demand that you do what he's asking you to do. Jesus said, if a man loves me, he will keep my words. He who doesn't love me does not keep my word. So if you love God and you're loyal to him, you will do exactly what he wants you to do. But if you don't care and you don't love him, his words don't mean anything to you. You only do his words when you feel good about it. And when it's, it's, if it's going to cost you some inconvenience, forget it. I'm not going to do it. But God's calling us to actually make sacrifices for his kingdom. 
We're just passing through this earth. We're going to meet with God. It's so important. This life is so short. We, even if you have a hundred years, it's so short. Take pain these days pleasing the one that you're going to live with forever and ever. And who has control over what happens to you when you exit this life. I've got to do, I'm not afraid of death. I know where I'm going. But I, when I get there, I want him to welcome him. Welcome me. With open arms. I'm glad you're back home, son. I want to get that entrance. That's what's important to me. It's not the cars, not the houses, none of those things. They, those things will go away very quickly. It comes today, tomorrow is gone. I've got to please the one who gave his son on the cross for me. I've got to please him with everything that I got. I've got to lay this life down just like he's laid this life for me. Don't enjoy talking to strangers and asking them about Jesus. They think, you know, you really enjoy, you have to make yourself do that because of his love. Because of his love. Jesus said a certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant. How many servants? One servant, right? Many times we think servants. No, read. Servant, one servant. That's you. That's you. When we read, we're reading servants. No, it doesn't say servants. One servant. That's me. That's you. God has no grandson. You are it. God has no granddaughter. You're it. He has one servant. That's you. And that's me. Read the scripture there. He sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come, for all things are now ready. Come, for all things are now ready. If you don't know Jesus, God's calling you. He says, I've prepared everything for you. Why are you out there? Come, I've made preparation for you. Please come. And he's sending his servant, that's you and I, go out and tell them, please come. I've prepared everything for your life. You can have a good life right now on this earth. Come. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Tell them to come. For all things are ready. All things are ready. All things are ready for my health, for the provision of for my kids, my employment, everything. All things are ready. Just come. It's a great supper. All things are ready. He says, but they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask, I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife. That's a good excuse. And therefore, I cannot come. 
So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, notice he was angry even, even though they had good excuses. Many times I've often wondered, last Sunday we had a healing service. If I'm sick on Sunday and I hear there's a healing service, there's no way you keep me at home. I'm going to church. But what I hear these days, tell pastor I'm sick, I can't come to church. We have a healing service. And then if you ask them, and that's how you can place people. And now, listen, son, a brother. Did you know that Jesus himself is, is said he's going to be in service and everyone will see him? He says, really? Jesus, you mean, who did he say? He spoke to pastor. He said he's going to be there himself and everybody will see him. Guess what he'll do? He'll take his clothes, probably won't take a shower, he's there. He'll run out, he's going to see Jesus. He was here. What does that say? He really doesn't believe. He doesn't believe the word of God. They make excuses, good excuses, why they cannot do this. And with the master, he's angry. I don't want him angry with me, amen? And he's not going to be angry with you in Jesus' name. He got angry. He says, so the, the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to him, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, master, it is done as you commanded. And still, there is room. Look around you. There's room. There's room in this place for people to sit before the house, before God. And before, what we're having right now is supper. A great supper. There's room. There's room. He said, Master, I've done it. But there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. You know, as long as this place is not filled, we got a job to do. We have a lot of work to do, every one of us. You may think... You may think this is pastor's business. God spoke to pastor. Well, but he brought you here. You may think, well, I just decided to go to that church. No, God knew this before the foundations of the world. And in this right time, he brought you here. Because there is a work for you to do. And he is making me say this to you right now. Everything in this book before we got here. And all of us have to stay busy. All of us have to stay busy. Inviting people. All we have to do is invite them to supper. Is that that difficult? How many servants of God do we have here? How many servants of God? What's your job description? What are you supposed to do? Invite them. 
that's all. Servants, let me see your hand. What are you supposed to do? Invite them. That's all you're supposed to do. Why don't you take that to yourself and commit to him and be loyal to him and say every week I'm going to get somebody to church. Every week I've got to get somebody to church. That's loyalty because the master asked me to. He wants his house filled. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. You know, in my, my, when I was a new believer, I, I, that's, that's, I, I, I had this thing in my head that God spoke to me. Uh, then, because Jesus, I, I read that scripture where Jesus said, he said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. And I figured that not just once, this is an ongoing thing. Every time I confess him before men, God, Jesus looks at his father. He says, that's my boy. That's my boy. And that thing excited me. And I thought, boy, what a great thing. For God to call my name in heaven every day, I've got to tell somebody. So I went around witnessing to anything that moved. I mapped our city. And I started going from house to house. Even if you cursed me, it didn't mean anything to me. Uh, there are many times they cursed me out. But I was sure that just because I was testifying, uh, the joy was my name is being mentioned now. And these curses you are putting on me is even making it greater for me over there. You are turning me into a prophet. Because Jesus said, if you, if they don't worry. Uh, blessed are they that are persecuted for righteousness sake. He says rejoice and be glad. Because so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You remember that scripture? And say, so as you curse me out, you are turning me into a prophet. And in heaven, the, Jesus is mentioning my name. So I preach to anything that moved. I like to get back there. And I dragged everyone. When I was in Georgia, that was saying, uh, they were telling me, you remember how you dragged us to this dorm to make us witness? Pastor Ronnie said, you threw me to the dogs because I took him to one fellow. I remember his name is Sandy. We got to Sandy's room. I knocked on his Sandy's door, graduate student. He came up. I said, my name is Good Luck. He looked at me. Your name is Good Luck? I said, yeah, that's my real name. That's my real name. And then I said, uh, this is my friend, Ronnie. He has something to say to you. And Ronnie said, I do. I said, yes, Sandy, he has something to say to you. Ronnie is now the pastor of the church, Pastor Addison's church there. And guess what happened? Sandy gave his life to the Lord. And he was in church that Sunday. And Ronnie was feeling good. God gave me a word. You have a word of life to share with them. Amen? Let's share with the world. Let's bring them in. The house must be full. And we have it. We are his servant. They'll come. Don't take no for an answer. That's what somebody did with me. That's loyalty to God. That's loyalty to God. I don't have anything to gain but to see them serving my God and worshiping him. When I turn around and that guy, Rod, I brought him to church, he has his hands up worshiping God before he was a heathen. Now he's worshiping God. 
are getting made. Not in the eyes of men, but angels notice. Because Jesus says there's, there's great joy in heaven, in, in the midst of the Father, when one soul comes to God. And I was a part of that. That's so great. There's work for us to do. If we are committed to this. There's work for us to do, every one of us. One person cannot do it alone. Every one of us, you take care of them. I mean, these individuals, they don't know that this is hell. The television programming and all of that, they're lying to them that there is no God. You can do whatever you like and it's okay. Some group of people are telling them, serve whatever God you want and we're all going there. We're all going, to, if there's a heaven, we're all going to get there. They don't know the truth, but you know the truth. And if you love the Lord your God, and you love your neighbor with that great commandment, then you can't stand there and watch them go to hell. There is a hell. Don't be deceived. Hell is this. Jesus preached more about hell than any prophet in the scriptures. He described the place. Jesus described what hell was like. He says there are fires that will never go out and there are worms there that the fire don't destroy. He talked as if he has seen it himself. Why? Because he has seen it. He created it. So there is a hell. When I saw that as a new Christian, I mean as somebody before I got saved, I didn't want to go there. I, I've tried, I tried, you know, try put your hand in a little flame, how painful it is for me to be in that place and never have a chance of coming out. Don't want to go there. Don't want my brother to go there. I don't want anybody going there. We know these things and look at us. Think about it. Can you see a blind man that's walking towards a deep cliff and you know he's going to fall and destroy himself and I don't want to bother him. He might be mad at me. And he's walking closer and closer to the place and you say, well, let somebody else talk to him. I'm not going to do that. He might get mad. He might not understand. Well, I'll run and knock him down. That's what we do in, that, in the in natural life. But we as believers, it's like we don't really believe these things. A, a, a Russian... Atheist, he said, you Christians, you guys, something's wrong. He said, if I believe what you are saying to me, I will crawl on my hands and my feet telling everyone, you don't act like it. You don't act like you believe what you're telling me. You don't. Because if you really believe it, your attitude will be changed. We have to love them. That's what this love is. That's what the story of the Good Samaritan is all about. All we're doing these days is trying to be comfortable. <laughs> Jesus made himself very uncomfortable. He hung on the cross for us. And the Bible says he left us an example to follow. And Jesus himself said, take up your cross daily. How often? Daily. Follow me. We are doling down Christianity. And we're not doing what the master is wanting us to do. And the time is going. I got to work. I got to work. I got to do something about this. Hell does exist. And I've got to love my brothers. I got to do everything. 
We have a work to do. One person cannot do it alone. Everybody. You see, Paul said, I planted Apollo, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. If someone else has invited a friend to church, when they get there, take it from there. You be friendly. <coughs> Excuse me. Who is to prepare the supper? The servant. Who is to invite the guest to be with the master? The servant. Who is to make the master look good in the presence of his guest? That makes, means everything is okay. So master looks good, he's put on a good supper. We have to do that. That's our job, to do that. When they come in, let somebody meet them as soon as they're driving in. And welcome them. Let somebody meet with them in the parking lot. And you know what you're doing. It's not because of them. It's because of the master, right? You want them to get to know the master. Why, can we, why are we forgetting what Jesus died for? That's a good motive. To reach out to them. With love. Instead of investing in their lives as they show up. Let somebody shake their hands as they're coming through. Walk with this fellow. Because you are leading him to the master. You are being loyal to your Lord. You want to please him. You want him to be glad. You want his work on earth. That's what Jesus said when he told us how to pray. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Bringing that person is you are helping that cause. Right? And so you please him by doing that. You welcome the individual. Make sure you walk with him. Help him find a seat. Stay with him. Tell him your story. How God brought you here or how God brought you to him. And now you're here serving him, doing stuff. Let him know you're happy serving God. Ask, can I sit with you? He said, walking away. Make sure they are comfortable. And if you want to leave, make sure they are already so comfortable before you leave them. That's love. Because you want to reach them, you want them to reach to the master. Notice where he, he said to get them. Get them from the streets, right? If a man is living in the streets, he's got nowhere to go, right? He's got nowhere to go. The ultimate goal of the master is to transform them into his servants. Because his servants are doing well. Remember the prodigal son, what he said? Even servants in my, my father's house, right? They have good things and they're living well and I'm out here. I want to go. He says, I'm going to my father. I want him to make me a servant in the home. They're doing well at home. This guy's in the streets. He's got nowhere to go. And they don't even know it. The streets mean they're out there with Satan, the murderer. Right? It's dangerous out there. They're out there with the murderer. Jesus says Satan is the murderer. He, he was a liar from the very beginning. And they're out there with the liar, the thief, the one who's going to destroy them. And they don't even know it. But I know it. I can't pretend that I don't know it. And I can say I love God and I know they are out there and I'm doing nothing about it. That's what, this, what we're doing in our church now is so important. The fresh start is so important. 
I've been through the spiritual things. I've been through the healing, praying with people to receive the Holy Spirit and all of that. I've been through. I want to see souls saved. Not just here. Overseas as well. Overseas as well. That's why we're doing the television thing. I've got to reach people for Christ. I got a short time. I can't be in two places at the same time. If I can get the word out there, I want to do it. I'm going to do it. That's what I want to do. I got to have souls saved. And I believe with time we can have a stadium full of people because of what we are investing with the television. And we can have hundreds of people come to Christ and people delivered from demons, filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're back out winning souls for Christ. That's what this is all about. I got a short time to live here. That's the way I see it. Even if it's 50 more years, it's still short. I got to do everything. So we got to love these people. That's loyalty to the master. God's only about one thing today. God's never hungry, so he needs nothing. God doesn't need money. He doesn't need a car. He doesn't need a fine house to live in. He doesn't need to pay mortgages and all of that stuff. God's only about one thing today. Them. That's all he's after. Them. His son died for them. His blood must never be in vain. And if I'm cooked to that, I must buy into that vision. And Jesus said, don't, don't you realize I must be about my father's business? The father has a business. Are you a part of that business? If you work with your father, Bill Gates, excuse me, he has a good business and you work well and he loves what you're doing, <laughs> you're going to be looted. It's true. And God says for everyone that works for him, he will reward. I don't think, for me personally, I think my days of poverty is gone forever and not depending on anybody. There's no poverty in my life. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. As long as my heart stays loyal to God, just like with King Asa. No. It's prosperity. It's not up and down. It's, it's, it's going to be that way. Till I exit this world. When I need it, there is a place called there. When that time comes, the provision will be there for me. If I need to pay my children's school fees, I don't have to stress about it. I may not have the money today, but I'm not there yet. When I get there and they need it, that money must come. Who was that stupid? Just money? God will command it. My son needs you. Now fly in there. Amen. You can never work for God and he will not take care of you. God even promised he will take care of your children. He promised he will teach your children. Angel and I, we know we don't, we don't try to teach our children anything much. I declared from the beginning, they are going to be smart. There is no one there that is not going to be smart. All of them. They're going to be smart. I've, I've never doubted that. Why? Because of me, no. Him. He is that great. He'll take care of you. If you take care of his business. You've done it your way. He's not worked very well as it. 
turn it over to him. Turn your life over to him. Commit to his cause. And go after the neighbor. Go after the neighbor. That's what our church is about. Commit today. You will invite some. They may not come all, always. Every time you invite them. But keep, keep, keep at it. Because eternally you may have delivered somebody from hell. And it's living with God. So let's commit to God today. Amen? We're going to stop here. For those who knew Christ and have not committed to him, God saying, my son died so I can have you. I need you. Come home. Come home. Come home to me. The Bible tells us here in Isaiah 55, verse 6 to 7, seek the Lord while he may be found. There's a time you can find God. Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes, how did that word pronounce? Ecclesiastes, yes, that's the way it is. Uh, verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Remember now the Lord your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days draw near, when you will say, I have no pleasure. That means your, your, your destiny sealed. But today, God's calling you home. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thought. Let him return to the Lord. You know, the wicked is, you knew God, you're a righteous man, you knew God, you're a righteous man, but you're doing unrighteous things. He says, return to God. Come back to God. He says he will have mercy. And to our God, he will abandon, uh, ab abundantly pardon. So God wants to pardon you. All eyes closed this morning. All heads bowed, no one looking around. And I'm not going to call you up here. I just need you to let God know that you need him in your life. And if that's you, all you need to do right now, at the count of three, just lift your hand up, just to indicate before God. Thank you so much. Lift your hand up. Just lift your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you so much. God will honor that because you're committing to him. Now, all eyes open now. Look up here. There is this card here. You have it given us our connection card. If you've made a decision for, uh, uh, to God to this morning, if you had a decision that you made with God, it says, my decision today, check what you did before God today. Just check it. You have a decision there. And when we, as we take the offering, make sure you put this card, fill out the card, and put your decision card right there. We're going to look at it. Well, I will be sending you something, some materials for you to start your journey with God, your spiritual journey. So we'll send it possibly Tuesday. We'll have it in the mail. And I guarantee you, if you follow the way we prescribed it, you read those books and study them, something good will begin to happen in your life. I guarantee you. Make that decision. Check it out. We'll send you the materials. Go with the first one. The first book is a very tiny book. And then the second book, just read and study it and you watch how God will begin to transform your life. And as we take the offering, please put that in the offering basket and we'll receive it and we'll look at it and get in contact with you. Not by phone, but by mail. 